You're listening to Red Nation Online. Wide open and what a call! And it's hit with a ton of power. And Josie Altador pounding his fist in the air here after being denied off the head has just scored an amazing goal for Toronto FC. It is all time. Monday, August 15th, Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and it's a delayed, postponed, suspended episode that looks back on the Saturday night that wasn't, and TFC's Sunday night 1-1 draw with the Houston Dynamo. We try to put the lackluster result in perspective against the four-game winning streak, and what's ahead, ask ourselves, are TFC getting or deserve respect yet in Toronto? And we begin our countdown to the final matches of the fourth round of World Cup qualifying and Canada's key players. All that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. All right, so then, then I think that's like, let's maybe let's, let's just start it off with that. I think. Uh, as a listener will know, and by the time this this podcast goes live, Aaron will have been sitting and <laughs> stewing and arguing and Twitter bickering. Uh, it's already been all over the place today. It started in some in some cases last night, looking at a one one draw with the Houston Dynamo. And I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that result, a lot of different ways to unpackage the the way that game kind of played out. You know, starting with you know, you and yeah, I both well, sat at the at football factory yeah, on Saturday yeah, night. This, this this game had the large longest pregame show ever. <laughs> we could have had uh, if there was prepods, we could have had a three hour prepod waiting for the game to start on uh, Saturday. Yeah, it's hey, it's the most CFL I've watched all year. There you go. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's I all. Said, well, that was funny when I walked in because. Uh, I think both of you and I have our summer attire, so we look a bit different than we do uh, <laughs> mid-season. Yeah. I guess it sort of is mid-season. But, um, and so then I walk into the bar, and first I can't – or we're at Football Faction. I walk in, and first I can't see you. And then CFL games are being played everywhere. So I thought I was like some time warp or <laughs> <laughs> screwed up something or something like that. But. Yeah, yeah. And that's – I think that's – you know, that's one of the starting points for me when I'm talking about this game was that uh, – you know, you know, no one knew what was going to happen on Saturday night. You know, was yeah, that game going to yeah. be played in Toronto anyway? Is at one in the morning or at Houston at uh, eleven p.m.? Was it going to be played? We've had games, obviously here. I think uh, the Dallas game comes to mind where they played it the following morning. And as we found out, this game was scheduled for Sunday night at nine p.m. And you know, part of me thinks, Aaron, and I, and I know you have a side or, or a way to look at you know a one-one draw away to Houston. But, um, you know, for me, the starting point is obviously that is that, you know, a team prepares and is mentally and physically ready to play a game on a Saturday night. Now they have yeah. to play on a Sunday night. And then sure. the other thing as well is that, you know, you're going into Houston, which is in August or July, probably one of the worst places to play in the league. And, and that's, I think, the starting point for me, uh, not trying not to make excuses or be an apologist, but maybe more to look at maybe a reason why this game didn't unfold the way that we thought it would. Well, I, I think personally, I think you know there's an added um, story to this game because of the 
attention the team was getting prior to this game, you know, because they were on this winning streak. And then there was some media uh, rattling that this team is not getting enough respect and this team is not getting enough interest. And, you know, I thought when we went to the game or went to Football Factor on Saturday, I don't know, there might have been 20, 30 people in the bar who were there to watch the game, I guess. So there's some interest, I guess, and I guess there's more interest than usually at this time of year because this is usually the least important games, I guess, of the season. You know, it was sort of anticlimactic because not only, you know, last night you had, well, the game being moved, and then last night you had the Usain Bolt race, so I think most people were watching that. Um, it was a difficult game to get on television or to get some sort of stream on. And, you know, and then the video I did catch of the game, there looked like there was like 100 people in the crowd. and One trumpet guy, but then 100 other people in the crowd in Houston, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like a get-out-of-dodge kind of thing. And in that sense, a 1-1 one, one draw away, a point away, you know, you're supposed to win your home games, you're supposed to draw your away games. Um, it's not that bad. You know, I think when we break down the game and the fact that they had an advantage for 45 minutes, that's the greater issue, right? If they left the game 1-1, I don't know if you wrote a preview to the game and you're, you predicted a score. I think Houston, you know, I always thought Houston was a weak team in the West, so in some sense, if you're a good team, you should be beating them. But, you know, a draw isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and I think I think the way that I sort of looked at this game is I don't know if we can, you know, and some people have picked up alarms and have, have shown that, yeah, there's been a, you know, there's a trend going back uh, earlier in the season where Toronto's been quite poor on the road. They've been quite poor against the the lower half of the table. Um, mm. the, you know, two maybe two trends that we may, might need to make note of. Uh, however, where this team is sitting now with continuing to get key players back from injury yeah. and given the recent run of results, you know, this is a result where I don't think you can really you know, raise a flag until we see this Philadelphia game coming up and then the Orlando City game following that. And I th- kind of think that it's, you kind of will have to bundle those games to draw an analysis on on what's going on uh, because I thought the last four games have been a little bit more telling of, of where Toronto is, uh, especially yeah. when you look at uh, last year as a comparison. You know, Toronto was a team that could beat the worst teams in the league but were very poor against I, I, you know, I use that analogy all the time that had a pulse. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, DC United last year, we couldn't beat them at home. Columbus Crew couldn't beat them at home. New England lost to them at home. Uh, and that's, that's a part of that game, that run that we just went through that gives me, I, I am fully on board, you know, with obviously criticizing this team. <laughs> but yeah. that's sort of the context that I'm coming from where I'm not, I'm not too bent out of shape with this 1 1 draw. But, you know, there are a lot of talking points in the game to say, you know, uh, yeah. three points would have gone a long way. Now, now, before, you know, I'm sure we'll break down the game as best we can. But before getting into that, um, a question, do you think they played down to Houston? Do you think if they're against a tougher opponent, they would have been more clinical or they could have finished it? Or do you think it was? See, this is my worry with the team, right? My worry with the team. And, and you know, we always talk about this, that, you know, it's great to make the playoffs and it's great to be a strong team during the regular season, but it's the playoff run that matters. And my issue with Toronto, and, and two things shown in this game, and it will sort of segue right into the game, was number one, the formation was kind of not their traditional formation, so I still don't know if the team really understands what their best lineup out there is, which is a concern. 
And then the second concern, and it was less this game, and I don't know if you did a podcast for it, but it was that game against San Jose where they're two man up. <laughs> and, you know, you expect good teams to be able to finish off opponents. You expect good teams to take advantages when their advantages are given to them. And I worry because within the playoff situation, when you're playing against these stronger teams, you might only get one or two opportunities in the game. And if you cannot connect with those opportunities, you know, you could see yourself get, you know, losing in the first round or, or getting out very quickly. But, yeah, you know, and I think, I think to me, I wonder if that just goes down to, you know, again, I'm looking back at that, that pretty impressive run we've just been through. But there is, you know, there is a precedent through the season where there's been some mixed results against a weaker opposition. Still trying to be fair and put in the context of, yeah, you know, you haven't had, you haven't had your full squad for those games. And that's, I guess, my only hesitation without trying to, again, be, you know, making excuse or be a, an apologist. Uh, sure. And again, in this game with Houston, you know, do you kind of just chalk it up to being like, shit, like no one wants to play Sunday night at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. Sure, in sure. Houston. Uh, do you kind of wash your hands of it? And that's and I think that's where I'm coming from. Like, I'm going to be looking a little more with more analysis on the Philadelphia game. Uh, well, that was one thing. That's the one thing interesting I found about yesterday game, especially in the second half, is that. Houston tried, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and I think the other reason why it's difficult to truly judge Toronto this year is it seems teams try to take Toronto lightly or they don't think results against Toronto is going to affect them overall in the season, right? We've seen a lot of games in Toronto where teams have chosen not to use their DPs. Um, we've seen teams in Toronto, and, th and this is my concern with the last four games, is it was not Toronto playing amazing. It was you know, look how bad certain teams are in the MLS, right? And, and even games that they didn't get victories in, you know, the game against Seattle, where Seattle didn't look that great, yet, yeah, you know, bad. Toronto was only able to get a draw out of it, right? Yep. So, you know, I have yet, to, you know, I was impressed, you know, during that beginning season run, you know, the game in New York, um, you know, it was 50-50, but that was a quality game. Um, you know, my most impressed I've seen, or I've been most impressed with Toronto in that game in Montreal, where they held Montreal down and they won that game. And to be honest with you, since then, the team just hasn't convinced me. It's not like I think the team is bad or, you know, and they're basically where I thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. They're just not, you know, I just don't have more confidence going into the playoff than than I guess I should or something like yeah. that. Well, you know, something interesting lines up with, with that sort of timeline that you've built out. And I'm debating if I'll save it or we'll just, you know, we'll kind of mention what the lineup is and kind of find our way into that because, you know, the one thing or the common thread between the games that you described that Toronto was the most impressive and where they're starting to build towards now, can you make a case that it's revolving around a couple players? And I'm speaking directly about Jose Altidore, who, mm. I, if I'm not mistaken, this was his first start uh, since he's come back from injury and that was the way that the season began, too, was that Toronto was grinding out some points with Altidore, without Altidore, um, mm. not looking beautiful in it. And then when he started coming back, you know, the Montreal game, uh, they lost that Portland game, but had that game could have been 5-6-2 for Toronto. The home game, I think, was only 1-0 to Dallas, could have been 3 or 4-0. And, yeah. uh, and that was sort of, and then Altidore leaves, and we run through this glut of games where we're having to do a lot more rotation. Uh, and here we are again, uh, this team in a game against Houston where, I mean, that's the story of the game. I mean, Toronto starts off uh, poorly, giving up that goal to Christian Maidana, 
but it wasn't that yeah. much longer before things started to click a little bit for Toronto. I wanted to get so that, you know, talking about that, maybe not so much the defense, but maybe that's that's the next talking point for me, Aaron, and, and a player that we've talked about, you and I, several times over the years, or the last two years anyways, is Jose Altidore and the impact that he makes, uh, as well as what he's meant this season. And this season, he's been a, you know, a lightning rod for, you know, people who are pro Altidore, people who criticize him. You know, we know people in the media who have put him on the spot. Um, who shall rename, remain nameless? He knows who he is. And, and you know, it's like, and then, of course, there's there was a discussion at one point where people were saying, oh, maybe we just let Jordan Hamilton keep playing at forward, which I thought was a uh, maybe a bit of a strange, strange proposition. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's where we are right now. And, and, of course, as I said, Altidore got the start tonight. And in a lot of ways, you know, he cleared a ball off the line. You know, he had an, an impressive header to set up the corner for the opening goal for Toronto or the tying goal that it ended up being. And then his tying goal was beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's a he's a somewhat a controversial figure because in, in earlier in the season and in, in this game like this, you say to yourself, shit, the guy should have had two or three goals easy. And that's I guess that's a some a, in some ways a bit of an unfair criticism. But that's sometimes when you look at it when we were talking about a one one draw and the difference between Toronto coming out of the game two or three one. Yeah, well, uh, well, you know, in the second half, you had the uh, shot that hit, went off the post, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in the position he's in, you could argue that he should have, you know, um, nailed that opposed to hitting it off the post. Uh, but but you could also say it was unlucky that he did hit the post. You know, again, I think with Altidore, um, you know, Altidore is what Altidore is kind of thing, right? And, and so, you know, any issues that I've had with people either – um, being critical of Altador or bigging him up too much is over expectation than what he is, right? And I think, you know, to be honest with you, in terms of if he's healthy and Dravinko's healthy and Bradley's healthy, you know, he he does very well as the non-centerpiece, but the guy who can, you know, make an impact um, at any point of the game kind of thing, right? He's always going to be a frustrating player because you look at his size and what he's capable of doing, and you think that he should be, you know, a prominent player, the most dominant player kind of thing. Um, but I guess by this point of his career, he's not going to be that. So you kind of try to get the best way you can out of him. And, I, you know, that's that's a, that's sort of what I would say. And, and it's like I'm maybe I'm re repeating myself from the start of the podcast, but I'm still, you know, holding on to that, that, you know, once we see we, we can see that uh, Johnson's nearing full fitness. Uh, and, and when we have that in quotes, you know, ideal starting 11 uh, and then one thing to add to this game too uh, with the result that we didn't mention off the top was that Toronto did have to deal with two injuries in the first half um, that yeah. may have factored into the way that second half played out but you know on the flip side not trying to make excuses that you know there are options available to Toronto with one substitution left or in the in the whatever the 25 minutes or so that out the door was still on the pitch that something still could have been created to, you know, seal this game. But yeah, in a, in a in a funny comment at the beginning of the game because I couldn't get a visual stream of the game, so I was following the game through a sort of minute by minute commentary, and all of a sudden you see two defenders get come off, and you're wondering, you know, the first thing is because of the early goal, you're wondering has Vanny gone nuts and. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, took guys off just for um, um, punishment. You know, sake. just to say, oh, I made a mistake here. I gotta fix this. 
or you know almost karma kind of thing right because um you know i guess the lineup that they put out at the beginning of the game was almost like a five three two um but then you know when chapman came in i guess that would have changed that sort of formation so um um but yeah yeah i don't know like uh, have, have we heard anything or is injury serious or are they no i haven't i actually haven't followed i mean oh. mark bloom is a player we obviously know that has had long-term yeah. injury yeah. issues um so that's probably a concern right there and i almost feel i kind of feel bad for the guy because you know there's been there's been some criticism around bloom but i've always thought he was a serviceable you know mls, yeah, yeah. Well, MLS level was, mid mls level right back yeah yeah i agree um, and we've seen him be able to sort of like push down the wing and cross some balls in and get some get some penetrating runs. So uh, for him to kind of have that uh, happen again early in a game, that's a shame. But, you know, on the flip side, uh, you know, when Justin Morrow goes out, I, I'm always I'm always uh, there to cheer on Ashton Morgan, whatever minutes he well, can it's get. It's funny because I, I don't know if he had a great game, you know, defensively and all that because of I didn't get to watch the whole thing. But I did see he did. I think on the goal where Altidore hit the post, didn't he do one of his classic crosses? He did. And, and there you go. <laughs> which, we, which we've been selling, you know, or at least you know, both of us have been selling the last two or three years, right? And that, you know, who on the team do you trust to cap be capable of doing that, right? I guess it does show a bit of the depth on the team now, and I, I think that's a good thing, that we do have possible substitutions that can come in and, and hopefully uh, help, you know, out when they need to. Yeah, and I think, you know, from that point, we've, you know, without breaking down every minute and whatever of the game from a what, you know, I think a lot of people might categorize as a forgettable one, you know, I think it does come down to looking ahead to the next games against Philadelphia and Orlando City. And, you know, Philadelphia, Aaron, is a team, well, both teams we're both very familiar with, but Philadelphia, one that surprised a lot of people uh, out of the start, yeah. but seems to be kind of, I don't know if, the, if coming back down to earth is the right phrase, but they seem to be, you know, settling into that mid-table battle that I mm. think um, seems more realistic uh, for them in Toronto uh, ahead of them. So I think we might still be looking at that game where we can hopefully get away with three points. And then, you know, Orlando City is a game where we know those players well. And yeah. one where that last game they played should have been a draw. They got that egregious penalty, terrible penalty. Well, penalty. arguably it should have been, a, you know, it's... It, like I would put that, I classify that game in the game like this game with Houston, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I, you know, I, Toronto certainly got cheated at the end of that game, but going into that game, I don't even think they should have, you know, um, would have been happy with a draw with Orlando. Like I think they should have won that game. Or you know, again, I think Orlando's one of the weaker teams in the league. So um, generally, if you're regarded as a good team, you should be winning those games. Yeah, and, and it looks like, uh, you know, the one development from last week that I'm sure a few people have been talking about, uh, and that will, and it goes to the point, Aaron, where you're kind of saying, you know, what is our formation? What are our key roles? Because Toronto went out last week and signed themselves an attacking midfielder in uh, mm. Armando Cooper and, you know, where he fits into the picture of things and what that means for the formation of this side that, you know, Greg Vanny's been playing with this, uh, whatever, you know, flat four at the back, four in the mid. And in these games we've seen either, however you want to sort of say it, whether it's a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2, uh, that's obviously not the way it's going to work when Cooper comes in. I would, I think we're both going to, we're probably expecting that the the triumvirate up top is going to be Altidore, Jovinko, and Cooper uh, trying to connect and, and be the, you know, three-pronged attack for Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. 
given the options going into this Houston game, I would have might have started Ricketts from the start, right? So it seems that they're not necessarily putting in the guys with the biggest salary or the guys with the biggest track record. Um, you know, they're kind of trying to sort of um, um, ease these guys in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, or, you know, and, and again, I'm not necessarily a big fan of this, but basically have this guy is a replacement for this guy. This guy is a replacement for that guy kind of thing, right? To me, I would have liked to see, again, again, I'm probably over um, ambitious, <laughs> I guess would be the answer. But, you know, in a game against Houston, in Houston, especially on a Sunday night, you know, maybe it is a game that you go for it offensively and see what happens, right? And maybe start the three up front with uh, Ricketts as one of the three up front um, and see what happens kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it is, like, you know, arguably, if we're going to look at Vanny as an intelligent coach and Toronto as a, I guess, a powerhouse in the league, it's about doing that, right? It's about knowing how to take advantage of other teams and using your resources to your best ability and doing all those other things that you see a team like, you know, like it's funny because Los Angeles Galaxy are getting a lot of criticism, especially in the media, but in general of not being a good team this year, but they've only lost three games all year, right? Right, yeah. So, you know, or, or Red Bulls, you know, Red Bulls were regarded as a complete loss. And, and I now think they're probably the strongest team in the East. So, you know, I don't put Toronto in that. It should be, you know, in terms of, of quality of player. It should be in that category. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't see them in that category as yet. And that's what they have to prove to me, that they are, yeah, that they're capable, that they can dictate a game and they can, you know, it's in their control. It's right. just not luck of the draw kind of thing. right? Yeah, and I think to sort of like uh, package up that, that point of yours, Aaron's, you know, both, you know, you mentioned two teams that have, have been criticized this year, LA and New York, but both have the best goal difference in the league. Mm. And the, the funny thing is Toronto's not far off. However, I mean, Toronto is on a hot streak. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough to say if they can maintain that. Whereas LA and New York, I think have been a little more, you know, their, their results have been spread out through the year. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Show, I mean, obviously, New York got off to a poor start, but I think it's sort of like flattened out through the summer. Whereas in LA, you know, hasn't been killing everyone, but like you said, they haven't lost. And the only other team in the league that's it's sitting with three losses is Colorado, who've been one of the stories of the year, but who yeah. can't seem to score very often. So that's where that puts them. And I think, Aaron, that's you know, there was one thing that you and I were talking about when we were watching the game, and I think one. Uh, you know, one another topic from last week that we would have talked about on Saturday night, but here we are on Monday night, uh, and that's sort of where you know Toronto's sitting in the league, where they're at, and there's this whole conversation about how come we're not getting any respect, or how come Toronto's yeah, not well, getting it, respect in the city of Toronto. Sure, sure, and, and it's interesting because that's it was a good segue because I was, was going to bring up that you know I was going to try to bring up that topic as well. Um, you know, that's the difference, right? The difference, you know, like I find, you know, even yesterday kind of keeping up with the social media and these people who were, um, you know, the big speakers last week in terms of Toronto not getting in live respect. If you're going to judge Toronto fairly, you would expect big wins or easy wins or, or wins as, as, at least against Philadelphia and Orlando, right? And the problem I have, one of the problems I have with Toronto's media is we kind of don't hold the team accountable. Like, it's not necessarily a critical opinion kind of thing, right? 
So, so the reality is, is I almost think, you know, thinking of this topic, because, you know, it's been a, it's sort of been a topic de jour for a bit. Um, you know, I almost think we're almost, we're, we're the, you know, the media, the people who follow the team are almost as responsible because we're not making the team, um, we're not making the team accountable. We're not making the team, the story. We're just saying, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a game against Houston. We got a point. Who cares? That's good. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> not, you know, like we're, we're making like, oh, it's just another game kind of thing. Right. And so, you know, in journalism, you know, just in general journalism where they don't have a personal interest in a particular team, you know, the story always sells the papers, right? So controversy, issues, um, um, you know, whatever it is, is going to sell the most stories. And I'm not saying that we want to troll Toronto all season and, and, you know, try to create just stories about them. But, you know, we need to make them a more interesting story. And, And arguably, you know, we even struggled doing the podcast to say, Oh, isn't Javinko amazing? Isn't Javinko great? Um, you know, who's our player of the game? We don't want to give it to Javinko because we've given it to him the last 10 games. You know, maybe we should talk about someone else. Um, and, and, you know, in that sense, to counter my point, um, you know, I think Javinko deserves as much um, accolades as he should get. Um, personally, I think he's the only, he's the best Toronto-based athlete who's played for a Toronto-based team in a league. And, you know, and, you know, it's one of those guys that 10 years from now, when he's no longer in the league, you're going to think back of, you know, how impactful he was and miss him and, and those type of thing. And I always want more soccer coverage, period. Um, I just don't know, you know, what stories are, you know, I joked last night after the game ended that if, you know, if it was baseball and, you know, after a baseball game, they have two hours of talk radio. It would be two hours of people complaining. Why didn't Toronto, you know, get the win? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want that as context, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, to me, and, and, you know, and the overall picture is, is, is you know, you're still talking about a team that's only made the playoff once. Right. You're still talking about a team who were horrible in that playoff game. Um, you're talking about an organization who does some things right, but does, you know, doesn't do a lot to make themselves look good. Um, and you're talking about four wins in the middle of the season. You know, it's that it matters, but it's not very important victories. You know, in comparison to what's going on, right? Yeah, I think I think that was that was a point that I was going to touch on was that, you know, when they're saying why why aren't we getting the respect and this and that, and it's it's uh, you know not to be, I don't want to take this down too far, too many notches, but it's just like, well, what have we accomplished? Yeah. Like the season first, the season's not over, and you know, we go back one, we go back two seasons. Uh, where we thought we were so great and we missed the playoffs. We go last year, we made the playoffs on a, on a newly uh, anointed playoff position in a division with two expansion teams. Uh, there's a reason for that. And when you look at teams that, that I guess you would say, oh, these are teams that are getting respect. Well, you look, and, and I'm not counting like, well, I don't respect the Leafs, <laughs> but I'm saying yeah, you know, yeah, teams yeah. that are always in the news. I mean, you look at, uh, the Raptors this year, as well as the Jays. Well, I mean, the Jays were in the, yeah, you know, had won. a great playoff run and, and the Raptors yeah. the season before there was, there was something that was, it was percolating, right? It wasn't just a one season thing with those teams and me. And that's where I'm at with Toronto is that, you know what? Yeah. You know, if we win a home playoff game this year and, and they come out next year looking yeah, like this, yeah, then, and then, you know, yeah. this team is still together. Some of these players are coming along and we're still seeing this kind of, yeah, I think, Toronto is going to be more the chatter of the town than it is right now. And I think that's, 
that's the difference for me. And, and you're right, like you said. Yeah, like generally, historically, Toronto is a, you know, this is going to be in trouble, but Toronto's a poor sports city anyway, right? Like we cheer for winners and we cheer for um, teams if they're important or they're a story, but we don't, you know. With, with an asterisk beside that, die. obviously. Yeah, yeah. For one team <laughs> in the city. Die. Well, even that team, you know, like, I, yeah, I assume people care, but I don't, you know, I think, I think that's more, that, and that's, and, and in that sense, I think the people who are complaining about Toronto's, the TFC's lack of coverage are right, right, because I don't, you know, we see that with the Argos as well, right, there's a lot of Argo coverage, there's a lot of, or comparable, there's a lot of Argo coverage, and there's a lot of Leaf coverage, and I think that's just the media putting it onto us, I don't think, I don't walk down the street and, and hear people talking about Leafs you know, all the time and stuff like that. I, I think it'd be difficult. You know, I'm sure some people you can get the Leaf conversation any time of the year, but I think a lot of people would not can name <laughs> 10 players on the team last year, deservedly so, because they were horrible. But right. I think that, yeah, as you said, you know, I think, like, if you look historically, you look at the Raptors, for example, um, you know, two, three years ago, no one cared about them. You know, a year ago, no one cared about them, right? They've done two things. Number one, they've won games to make them a talking story. And number two is is that the people who cover them don't only cover them very well, but they cover the game very well. So, for example, what's made, um, you know, it's a good segue too, because what's made the Raptors interesting is the fact that Canadian basketball has also been very interesting, right? And you have players like Wiggins and Canada potentially making the Olympics and things like that, right? So there is more of a basketball culture in Toronto but that's partly because of what the media has done, and that's partly because of our success in that sport. That is a great segue, Aaron. <laughs> when you're looking at, you know, there is there's some, you know, there's there is in some regards there are baseball stories for Canada as well, and there's some really great basketball ones as well, and that you know that kind of lines up with those teams doing as well as they had. Well, soccer in Canada, you know, we're we're coming up on, and that's this is sort of the segue where that we looked at the games against. Uh, it's going to be a game against. Philadelphia, Orlando, and then we're hosting Montreal in a big game. But then there's a break. And, of course, that break is coming up with Canada going to Honduras and then hosting El Salvador. And this is it. Like, this is all the chips are on the table uh, yeah. for Canada. And, you know, it's that's probably part of this reason. We know when the, when the people in the media in the city are saying, you know, why isn't Trumpsy getting respect? And it's, you know, you're kind of like Canada. It's almost like, you know, basketball was – maybe 10 years ago. I hope that's not a terrible analogy, but it's just that where these play, you can see that there's some young players yeah, coming yeah. up that are going to start yeah. to be really exciting. You know, is Kyle Lyron the last guy that's going to do it? Probably not. Like he might be an equivalent of a, you know, Jamal McGlure or something like that in, in the grand okay. scheme of the next decade or two. Uh, you know, the first guy to really, you know, break out as yeah, a top player, top yeah. rookie in the league. Uh, and he's someone that everyone's excited about, but there's a lot of other really young guys that you're seeing that are, you know, in that U-17 realm up to the U-20s that you've got your fingers crossed. And when those guys start coming through, I think I think people are going to start getting really excited. And we look at some of these guys. I think the, the talking point we wanted to get into, Aaron, was these Canadian players that are playing in MLS right now. Yeah, well, no, I think that's a story, right? Because there, has, you know, what is it? There's now four, at least, new Canadians in the MLS in the past uh, two months or something like that. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I think certainly I think that's the story, you know, just to go back a second, I think, you know, certainly one of the big prominent stories right now is the women's team in the Olympics mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what that's doing for soccer. And again, you know, until that game where they 
you know, I'm sure people were interested in them because of what they did in the last Olympics, but until they beat Germany, there wasn't a huge amount of excitement for them this Olympics, or they were like the uh, plucky underdogs, which was a complete fallacy. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, and, and that's, you know, to, to take a step back a second, I think that that's what's lacking in local Toronto media is we will not see the Canada World Cup coverage until a couple of days before the Canada World Cup games. And, we'll, you know, we don't get this sort of ongoing, um, you know, we do on Red Nation Online and other sources, and thank God there's Twitter and, and other things like that, but we don't get the daily sports coverage, right? And so one of the things is if we're doing the hockey comparison, um, you know, the guy the least drafted, you know, he was a conversation piece four years ago, three years ago, right? Because he went to Switzerland and did all that kind of stuff. Um, and and so that's how you become, that's how a sport becomes an everyday conversation because it's not only your team, it's not only the game at the highest level, it's that the game is intrinsic or a passion for everybody every day kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, like I, I kind of want to, I don't know if you wanted to touch on, on any of these guys that have come in. Uh, but, I mean, obviously the interesting story is that <laughs> Vancouver, a team that is, there's, you know, used to get really criticized. They're like, oh, they don't play Canadians. Yeah. Uh, you know, has really brought in three this year uh, yeah. with Fraser Aird uh, at the start of the season. And now we have David Edgar and uh, Marcel de Jong. And then, of course, Toronto bringing to St. Ricketts, which I thought was, uh, you know, we obviously had heard about that long ago. But uh, yeah. I always thought that was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise signing, uh, you know, given that he'd spent his entire career out in uh europe uh fighting 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 for a position and comes home and i you know i i was excited for that because i knew that i think you i could see that he had transferable skills to the league uh mm. and i think and that was another one whereas like even david edgar coming to vancouver i know he's had a couple of rough games uh, out of the gate but i think the timing was right i mean actually you look at all these guys they're all three of them three of them are 29 uh, except yeah. for aired yeah. who's younger which was made me think it's like, yes, now's the right time. Before I would have said, keep playing in Europe, keep plugging away. But uh, I think the timing is right almost for all those guys. You know, Marcel obviously was in Ottawa beforehand uh, and he was in Kansas City, but the timing is right for all of them to come into MLS and hopefully uh, make their mark do in the think, league. Do you think it improves our chances against El Salvador and Honduras or do you think it's kind of too late to... Like, would you yeah. rather see these guys in the, the MLS for the whole season and get a significant amount of games or, you know, like, like, do you think that it's interesting because the way where these games are placed, most teams, you know, if you're playing in Europe, you're pretty much on your break, right? Yeah. So arguably you could say that, you know, the, the Canadians that you just mentioned might have more better trained, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, more, you know, like more in it. Um, um, for these games than if they were just starting, you know, like I think the Turkish, the funny thing is, is if, Tur if Ricketts was in Turkey, I think the Turkish league doesn't start until like September 1st, right? Yeah, I think so they're playing cup games or something training right now. Or something like that, right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so maybe that is an advantage, right? And 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 also, you, you don't have to travel now, right? You're not traveling 10 hours from Europe to come here to get ready to play a game here, right? You're, you're local kind of thing, right? So... Maybe that will help a bit. Yeah, that was that was my first inclination. But you know, of those players, the one that's that I feel like is probably, you know, he obviously hasn't been getting tons of minutes with Floor on the team. But David Edgar, I thought, I think is kind of the 
the one who's probably could be the most influential, especially because defense is still a question for this team. Yeah. But the fact that he he would have been starting, whether you know because he came into Vancouver late, he didn't get. He isn't sort of like in full fitness yet. So that's the one thing I think is unfortunate. Obviously, Marcel Dion was at Ottawa. He should yeah. be ready to go. Um, Tosin Ricketts has been training with Toronto for months. So he should be, he should be in pretty good stead. And then Fraser Aird, of course, has been with Vancouver since the start of the year. So he should be in good shape as well, uh, along with a couple other guys who've been playing in the NASL. Well, and the interesting thing is guys like Chapman, Azario, even Hamilton should now be considered for that team. Yeah. For the impact that they've had on Toronto during this past, you know, month or so, right? Yep. Um, you know, I think Chapman, you know, maybe not as a starter for for um Canada, but I think that he's proven to be an asset. And Azario, you know, I may be a starter. Right, like you know, I know that I did read today that uh, the Guzman um, yeah. has a knee injury, so he won't be part of the the games or so. Yep. But you know, maybe this is like that's the other thing. You know, I think not not to you know not to be negative on the World Cup qualifying, but you know, just in context, that this is not to qualify for the World Cup. This is to get into the hex, which means a, a next division where you have to or a next group that you have to get through to get to the World Cup. Um, and realistically, to get through that next group, you're going to be playing ten games against strong teams. And and if you you know if if we're realistically talking about making uh, the Russian World Cup, um, I think you're going to need guys like Azario um, to be that next level guy, right? Like I don't think you can rely on the older guys to still be there and 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 you know come through for the next you know ten, eleven, twelve games that will, that will have to take place for them to make it. Yeah. And that's going to be, and and when you mention, well, I'm thinking of Honduras straight ahead. You know, two guys that this past weekend scored for their teams was Akindele and Laren, and uh, yeah. finding ways to get the most of those guys, but also at very young ages, throwing them into the cauldron. <laughs> that is uh, an away game in Honduras. And if I saw correctly, I think they're scheduling that game once again at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, which is a scorcher. Oh, great, the most. Yeah, oh, they're going to give them the worst time of the day, which meant you know another another one where I'm sneaking out of work early only to see the <laughs> last time. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. what four nothing before I was like even down the elevator. I was like, oh <laughs> shit! But that's sort of where you know those guys are standing, and uh, I think what would make sense for the next uh, couple games is to kind of keep track of some of these players and keep mentioning the ones that are getting minutes. Uh, ahead of this game against Honduras on September 2nd, uh, because I think, you know, obviously a, a player like Lauren, uh, Akindele, Edgar de Jong, uh, even Aird, uh, could very well feature in that game. And mm. uh, in, in seeing where the, you know, where their teams are sitting, where they're playing, how many minutes, et cetera, it's going to be important, uh, to, you know, yeah. for their mental, for their confidence. And even though I'm thinking of like Will Johnson coming back from injury, um, hopefully yeah, he gets yeah, at least yeah. one or two games. For Toronto FC, I th- he looked like he was on the on the sheet for this game against Houston. So if he can get a, some minutes in before that, that would be huge for Canada. Yeah, and, and not to be overly, you know, um, you know, not to turn this into the Canadian national team podcast. Um, but I think, you know, I think it relates, right? You know, I think if, just to give context, if Canada struggles in these last two games, doesn't make the hex, you know, the no, the overall feeling of Canadian soccer is going to be fairly much on the down point. And I think that might reflect, you know, our hope for the MLS teams as well. 
Um, and certainly, you know, I think if Canada is able to succeed and, you know, players like Johnson and, you know, using Toronto FC as an example, players like Johnson and Osario are part of those teams. You know, I think that was, should give them a, a, an extra boost of confidence for the end of the season run and the playoff run. Yeah. You know, like we are a legitimate soccer country. We are a legitimate soccer team, right? Yeah. Because I always felt that one of the issues with Canadian soccer is this issue of self-confidence, that we just don't feel. And that was, you know, to, to bring the story back, that was part of my issue with the media, that we just don't get respect. And, you know, my, <laughs> you know, my, my you know, personal opinion is is that respect comes from effort, right? You you just you, you get respect because you deserve respect, right? Respect shouldn't be given to you. It shouldn't be, um, you know, people shouldn't feel sorry for you, right? It should be granted because you deserve it. Um, and, and you know, and, and I think in terms, you know, just to speak back, I think in terms of Toronto not getting proper coverage, is I don't really think people understand, you know, what Jovinko is capable of doing. So I think it's difficult for anybody to give him the proper respect that he deserves. Um, and I think the rest of the team just needs to prove that they're good enough to prove that they're worth watching, to prove that they're, you know, and I, and, you know, the one example of that, I think uh, Jonathan Osorio has certainly shown that. He's shown that with his, both his confidence on the field, but, you know, even in interviews and things. His amazing done, halftime kind of, interviews. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but he's kind of <laughs> taken over the team, right? He's kind of said, and we talked about this, I think, in that game last year when they clinched it. You know, we said this could be Jonathan Osorio's team, right? And then that story there, like, let's say hypothetically, you know, two years, three years from now, Toronto FC is Jonathan Osorio's team, then it will be definitely a, a, a topic of story, you know, it'll be a, a story talk, you know, it'll be in the media all the time, right? Because yeah. he's very accessible, he'll be interviewed all the time, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, the irony is, and, you know, he has his critics and he has his um, um, fans, but, you know, that was one of the things that Dior Zero did when he was with Toronto, right? He was a spokesperson for the team. So the team did get seem to get a decent amount of coverage because he was, you know, they would talk to him, right, kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> we've like circled around and tied everything up in a nice bow. In a nice bow, so to speak. Um, I think I think that's a good way. I'm going to wrap this up, Aaron, because we're sitting at a nice, tidy 40, 45 minutes. Oh, good. Uh, and sure, covered sure. a lot of ground for a for a for a, for a forgettable game against Houston. <laughs> but as we've mentioned, you know, looking ahead, we know who we have. We have uh, Philadelphia next weekend, uh, Orlando, and then Montreal, and that's rounding off the month of August. And that's, you know, that will tell. I think that will tell us a lot because that's what's priming us for. And, and how and how we get results or how we look in those games, and because I think the most important thing that we've said for the last two or three years and realized with this league is that you know it doesn't matter how you start, it doesn't matter how you do through most of the season. It's that if you can if you can start getting momentum into September and October, you know you, you think of teams like uh, New England a few years back, uh, even Montreal to an extent last year. I mean that was this was when they got hot around this time of year. Yeah, so yeah. if Toronto can can get through this without, um, you know, peaking too soon uh, and, and use these results to show some kind of consistency. That's what I'm looking for uh, through the yeah, end of the it'll month. Be good to, it'll be good to get guys playing consistent games as well, right? Like having Altador and Bradley in the lineup with Javinko for, uh, you know, a number of games, I think will reflect how the team will play in the playoffs because hopefully they're all healthy then as well. Yep. Okay, so Aaron, uh, 
leaving at that, people can get you uh, at Prospect11 yep. uh, on Twitter as well as EMB Sports. And you yep. have, have published a ton of <laughs> good grief, an obscene amount of like uh, previews and. Yeah, I guess I guess in terms of uh, the pod and Red Nation Online and stuff like that, I think the upcoming um, the interesting story is the again the start of college soccer, um, both in the states and in Canada. Um, I think if I the numbers are right in my head, I think there's 135 uh, males playing NTA Division One soccer, and I think there's 36 freshmen, new freshmen this year. So that's very exciting, and it shows. And it's interesting because there is players coming from all three of the academy programs into college soccer from Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, and you hadn't seen that in the past, so that's very interesting. Yep. Um, so, yeah, in terms of Canadian story and MLS story and all that kind of stuff, I think that's probably um, what you're going to find more interesting. And then I'm also doing a lot of, if you're a fan of soccer in general, I'm also doing a lot of European stuff and stuff like that, but it's, it's very... <laughs> It's very next level, so it's not just you know um, EPL stuff. It's 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 you know it goes down a dark hole. So right, um, you really <laughs> as, have as to it usually does, right? <laughs> down a dark hole. All right, Aaron and people know they can get me at Clark Rno and at Red Nation Online uh, on Twitter or email me at info or have your say at RedNationOnline.ca. Uh, next weekend should be a good good to go. We're gonna juggle the game with the Diaz McGregor two on Saturday night. So uh, I'll probably get that game, watch that game, knock out a pod, and uh, keep going along while I'll tr- see how Toronto FC does. So uh, we'll leave it there. And uh, thanks a lot, Aaron, for joining me on a Monday night. Sure. Yep. And uh, thanks a lot for you guys listening. And we'll catch you next time. want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury in our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time